So we're back from SHOT Show, and all our luggage is back from SHOT Show now. Finally. Didn't, we didn't all get here at the same time. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. So we saw some stuff at SHOT Show, and if you don't know what SHOT Show is, uh, it is the NSSF, which is the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is basically the industry uh, group, uh, the yeah. industry, what do you call it, uh, authority? Well, industry? SHOT stands for Shooting, Hunting, and Outdoor Trade Show. Well, if you say so, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, it does. I thought it's so, good for and that's Vegas, put on. That's maybe. put on by the NSSF, right? Uh, which it's it's yeah. The the industry trade is uh, you know NSSF. They do things like ATF compliance. Uh, they help smaller FFLs uh, work with uh, you know basically the gun industry, and they help the large FFLs in. Uh, Fighting for rights, uh, things in in the in the big picture, lobbying that sort of thing. Right. But, so we well, went. We went to the show, which is massive. I Huge. think they said sixty four thousand people this year, which uh, isn't a record. No, sixty four thousand was last year. Sixty or seventy five thousand, at least expected this year. Oh, I thought I saw some final so, numbers. Was it doesn't matter? Well, there was a lot of people. Regardless, there. it was huge. It's giant. If you ever have the chance to get to shot out in Las Vegas. Uh, this time of year, every year, you should go check it out yep. because it's amazing. It's it around really the 10th to the 15th in that general in that, time Yeah, frame. yeah, somewhere in that uh, But it takes place at the Sands Expo Center. It takes up three floors. Well, only for the next 20 years. So if you're yes. listening to this in 2016, 20, 27, 2027. You're probably still right? good, yeah. You're, just, you're probably still good, actually. Yeah, you're probably still good. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is where everybody comes out. They kind of show off all their new stuff. Um Towards the end of every year, you start kind of getting this withholding of information. So there's not a lot of new things coming out, uh, except for Magpul. I mean, they kind of just continue who doesn't, to... Who doesn't care because they just come out with everything? <laughs> yeah, they just continue to drop everything. Once a week, they yeah. come out with a new product. The first day of SHOT Show isn't really Actually, SHOT Show. yeah, the SHOT Show doesn't start till Tuesday. Monday is Industry Day at the Range. Yep. That's its technical name, which means you get to go shoot stuff at the range. If yeah. you, uh, Companies are allowed to bring out, if they want to, they're allowed to bring out their guns, let you shoot them. Uh, your silencers, your ammo, whatever. Yeah, it's a, it's a way to kind of give a quick field test of everything instead of just handling it while in yeah. a... So the first half of the day is media. The second half is buyers and media. So buyers can come out and shoot the yep. guns now, yep. which is exciting. That was the first year for that. And uh, I don't think it was overwhelming. It really didn't get super busy towards the afternoon. It was definitely no, no. slower in the morning, but... Uh, it was a nice day out there at, uh, what is it, Clark County, Boulder County? Yeah. Boulder shooting County. range. Shooting range. Yeah. yeah it was fun. Um, Boulder City shoot. shooting range in Clark County. I think is what it is. Something like that. Close enough. It was, a, it was the shot show industry day at the range range. Well, we got to jump in and shoot some of the things that we had been talking about on the show. Yes. One of the things like the Ruger American that I don't know if you guys know, but we may have been the first people to break that. I think we scooped that. Uh, yeah. We did. What was your impression of it, Scott? The Ruger American was like... Basically, most of Range Day and SHOT Show, I'd say, it was evolutionary, not revolutionary. Right. Basically, this is Ruger's version of a Glock. I mean, you can't put it any more bluntly than that. It's a striker-fired polymer pistol uh, that holds lots of 9mm and 40 bullets, or 45, I'm sorry, they don't have 40 yet. And uh, it shoots. Uh, it shoots great. It, it handles very nicely. It's got a nice trigger. It's got a decent reset. 
But, you know, it, it's not like it's something we haven't seen before in the, uh, you know, the Smith and Wesson, the Glock, the HK. Um, not saying that there's anything wrong with this gun. And I really enjoy the price point that it's sitting at. What's that price point? Uh, it's going to be priced just right around where the SR9 is. And I've seen the SR9 go for anywhere from 550 to a little less. So okay. I'd say street price should be closer to 500. 500 to 550. Yeah, maybe even, maybe even high fours. But regardless, this is, a, this is going to be a good solid gun at a good solid price point, And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, what's going on here with this gun? Which the, the the conundrum that is the Ruger American handgun is that it's going to sit in the lineup right alongside a very similar gun, the Ruger SR9, SR45, right? Mm-hmm. At a similar price point. I couldn't figure this out until I talked with some of the Ruger guys, and they basically told me this is for military slash government slash large and law enforcement agency contracts. They built this gun, I want to say, for the next generation Army pistol. I think Ruger really wants that contract. And Ruger, being the largest uh, manufacturer of firearms in the country at this point, basically, uh, is really in a good place to do that and, and be able to get military contracts. They just haven't had an offering uh, like this gun. Uh, so I'm really happy to see this from Ruger. But once again, for the average consumer, is it new? Yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, it's evolutionary, not revolutionary. So, what do you think about shooting it, though? It shot great. It shot, uh, you know, it shot where you pointed it. Uh, like I said, the trigger pull was fine. Um, the, the the controls were where they needed to be. Uh, it had decent sights. I mean, uh, there's nothing there's nothing bad to say about it. It it is a, a safetyless, right? Striker fired. Uh, gun uh you know it manipulates like you'd expect it it has a sig takedown lever instead of a glock or mmp like takedown lever um so that's different uh, in the genre but uh yeah uh what do you is think? that a, is that a swivel or do you you push the pin out or how does that one work uh, it swivels down like uh i don't know if you've like shot a beretta like a classic sig sour it's like a beretta but without the push button on the other side okay. basically yeah, yeah so you you find the right spot and then you swivel it exactly and then there you, you, you can take yep. it apart uh, I really enjoyed the firearm. It fit perfectly into my hand. Uh, the serrations were really thick on the back end of the slide. Uh, I really didn't have anything negative to say about it. Yeah, I found negative. myself needing to get used to the trigger reset. I think with any firearm that you jump sure. into is going to be yeah. uh, something to train on. Right. Uh, but other than that, I, I love the sights. I loved everything else about the handgun. Yeah. I, and it was hefty. Yeah. So the the felt recoil was negligible. Yeah. And, you know... Uh, I, I hate to, you know, I'm not trying to be negative against Ruger at all in any of this. This is not a negative thing. It's just like, uh, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not revolutionary. But you know what is revolutionary from Ruger? They have a silencer and yes. we got to shoot it. And, uh, yeah, the, the uh Ruger, unfortunately, the Ruger Silent yeah, SR the is Ruger what Silent SR. And unfortunately for Ruger, the only reason this is revolutionary is because Ruger's making it. Right. It's just, it's a 22 can. Uh, it's got a mono, uh, stack baffle. It has got, uh, it's user serviceable. Uh, it's a good looking can. It's going to be at the right price yeah, point. Nice clean line. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to come out street price 300, maybe 350, uh, which is a good price. So that'll point. get you in, yeah. you know, about 500 and, 
$50 with a tax yeah, stamp. Yeah, with a tax stamp, yeah. Uh, the good thing about this is Ruger, the largest firearms manufacturer in the in world the positive. Right now, yeah, is making a can, and that should make right. everybody happy. Yeah. We're going, these things are going mainstream. Uh, you know, you don't uh, have to be afraid that you're going to place your order and they're going to disappear. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah, you buy I this mean, from Ruger. One, they're going to back it up forever. Uh, if there's ever anything, well, wrong yeah, whatever there, their warranty says. Ruger's <laughs> warranty is brilliant. No, well, that's a good question. I'll have to check on the warranty on that because their firearms are lifetime. I bet you this can is too. Probably got something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. So if you're in the market for a can, I tell you what, the Ruger Silent SR looks really good on a Ruger Packlight. Uh, a 2245, and it uh, works really well, as you'd expect from a 22 can nowadays. And uh, it, that's the exciting, revolutionary thing from Ruger oh, that we saw. One of the things I did want to jump straight in and talk about was how we saw optics or red dots mounted on top of the Ruger American. Yeah, you That was about- something that was very surprising to me on how long it took other manufacturers right. to get to that point. Well, let's see. I think everybody's jumping on it. This year at, uh, at, at SHOT Show, we saw Glock expand their MOS line, which is uh, has the mounts built in for optics on their handguns. Right. Uh, we saw... Uh, Canic importing through Century the uh, TP9 with a red dot on it, which we shot. We saw the Ruger at at Range Day uh, with a red dot on it. I mean, but that's where I'm going with it. Is is they came out with this code. gun yeah. though? They came out with this gun had a red dot on it, and they the had range. a red dot yep. at the range within a month of announcing it. It wasn't something where oh we're going to do that or you yeah. see you know yep. pictures or they jumped the gun. And went ahead and did it. I think the future is now, and what the future is is we've always we've already said it in the past that every fighting gun needs a light on it. Well, I think you can safely say that every fighting gun needs a red dot on it, uh, especially with things like aim points that have you know uh, forever batteries and things like uh, Trigicon RMRs that have been proved to be the ubiquitous handgun red dot. Uh, I think we're now going to be in that time point of that if you have a serious fighting handgun, it's got to have a white light on it, and it's got to have a red dot. And uh, that makes me happy. Uh, that makes me, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what uh, what comes out next and, and what the future holds. But I, I want to say that uh, red dots, white lights on a handgun. Moving on to somebody else, uh, I think the biggest surprise was the Kimber Revolver. Yeah, talking about the opposite of future, Kimber brought out a J-frame revolver, for lack of a better term. Basically, uh, Kimber had the K6S in 357 Magnum. Boom. Boy, was it pretty. It was super pretty. Six shots in a five-shot package. like I said, gorgeous, smooth, soaked up the recoil because it was heavy. Um, Hammerless. It had, it had the hidden hammer, kind of like a Smith & Wesson yeah. 642, basically. Uh, basically, the, the centennial version of the J-frame was six shots. and uh, So you always stainless. have a double-action uh, trigger yep. pull. Yep, double-action is- only. Um, we shot it. It shot great. Like I said, great double-action trigger pull. Uh, you just got to remember smooth. where to put your thumbs. Yeah, you can't. Uh, you don't know the, what to do with your thumbs if you're an auto guy. Yeah, you you're, yeah, you're a semi-auto guy. You you have to remember not to put your thumbs too far out there. Yeah, or else it'll wake you up. 
So we think uh, now the price point on this thing is going to be close to nine hundred. Yeah, yeah, I think it's nine, like nine hundred something. And knowing how hard they can be to come by, at least yeah. in the beginning, I I wouldn't Ooh. be surprised if they're yeah eleven hundred. Um, maybe they won't climb much higher than eleven hundred, yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised to see them for a while around that eleven hundred price point. Let's hope that Kimber does a really good job at this handgun, uh, this new revolver they've got. And that they became the become the new you know revolver go to company. Uh, let's wish them the best of luck. The more we have out there, the better. Uh, it, it remains to be seen what Kimber's going to do with the market with that gun. So we didn't really see anything new other than the revolver from Kimber. Well, they had the right? the three eighty. They made larger into a nine millimeter. It's called the. Uh, Micro nine, micro nine, yeah. And uh, we shot that, and that was surprisingly nice shooting for the size of package that was. Usually, a tiny nine millimeter, you expect to kick a little. Uh, if anybody's seen our YouTube video, a uh, little quick test of the car PM nine, that's a sharp kicking little gun, right? Kimber somehow managed to to make a a very controllable gun in a very small package. Uh, and I wish I had some more time on it to tell you how, why they did that. I was really impressed with the gun, how it shot. However, <laughs> the caveat is, of course, that Kimber's going to have a very high price point. Right. And uh, initially, there'll be some supply problems. You talked about the K6S. Kimber doesn't really ship the first shipment by the truckload right away. So it remains to be seen what the street price will be on the, uh, the little Micro 9. Well, uh, moving on to more silencers. Yes. I think Silencer Co. Uh, was out there yeah. with a wide variety of silencers. Yeah. One of my favorite ones that I got to shoot finally was the Salvo 12, which is the shotgun silencer. Uh, I really expected it to add a lot of weight to the end of the gun, and it didn't. It's a really fantastic design, the way they've they've designed the the, the shotgun suppressor to actually work to be modular, to fit this wide array of platforms. And it's not super heavy. No, not at all. It doesn't change the balance of the shotgun uh, much at all. I'm sure a wing shooter would disagree. But as a Oh, yeah. I didn't get to swing it. I didn't get to swing it at all. But But that's not what this is for. No. Let's face it. I mean, I'm sure it'd be great for hunting crows or something. But this is is not aimed at that It's made for inside... Uh, close quarters, dark areas where you're trying to kill the flash. Yeah. And now, one thing about Silencer Co. Uh, not only are they the world's largest because we haven't heard of anybody else making a 12 gauge silencer, but uh, Silencer Co. was claiming this year that they sold more silencers. Wow, that was hard to say. <laughs> that they've sold more silencers than anybody else put together. Basically, that they have 60% of the market share which is quite impressive. But shooting their cans and seeing their lineup, it makes sense. You would understand why. Yeah, they have an excellent product. They have an excellent product at an excellent price point. They lead value to it. Plus, they have a great, uh, they have a great uh, name brand marketing, uh, which is fantastic. So we shot that. We shot the new uh, Omega 9K, and we shot the Hybrid. Yeah, and we were really impressed, of course, like we always are with their cans. Yeah, I, that cans. was one of my favorite uh, booths to be at because you could actually take your hearing protection out and have a general chit chat with the yeah. person. We shot the hybrid on a forty-five seventy 
lever gun. We got pictures of that on our Facebook page. Go check it out. Yeah, we shot that Omega nine nine uh, K, which is only eight point eight ounces. Right, we shot that on tiny a Glock. We shot it on. I want to say we shot it on a CZ. We shot on something else. What else did we shoot it on? Hey, hey, hey. lots of guns. Everything. It was awesome. Yeah, and they was- had they had a lot of fun guns out there. They had Glocks, they had CZ, Scorpions. Yeah, they had a Scorpion I mean, with the hybrid on it. They that had everything yeah. out there, which was, that, that makes it fun. Yes, you know? yes, very much so. Uh, one of our favorite booths, uh, of course. And all hearing safe. All, all, every little bit of it hearing safe. Yeah, if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast, you can go to... Everything, you can go and check out everything we're talking about. We have uh, every day broke down from media day all the way down to one, two, three, four, which Scott stayed for longer than I was able to, but uh, we did cover it. So if you have any questions or want to see what exactly we're talking about, just head on over there and check it out. Yes. So let's go ahead and just jump in and talk about EOTech real quick. Yeah, EOTech was there, so we wandered over to the EOTech booth. And I'll be honest with you, I was wondering what they would bring. Right. I was wondering what they would show up with and what they would brag about and what they were going to bring to the range day. And so I wandered over to the EOTech booth, and I thought to myself, EOTech didn't come. Yeah, yeah. It, I was standing there looking at their booth and said they didn't show up. Yeah, it was They a ghost didn't town. even bother to show up. Well, then I noticed that there were three rifles there, only three, right? and all three of them had rifle scopes on them. And then after checking, I was like, well, who's shooting in EOTech's booth if EOTech's not here? Right. So I walk over there, and they're EOTech-branded rifle scopes, Scope. which is kind of exciting. They're called the Voodoo line. They have three scopes. They have a one to six, uh, like a three and a half to 24, and a Two, 2. 5 2. 5 to, to 10? 10 yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the VUDU line. Uh, go check them out. I looked through all of them. They seem to have very good optics for their price point, especially the uh, the 1 power and especially the 2.5 to 10 power. Now, I now the scope wasn't dialed in for my eyesight. Obviously, everybody was shooting it, but I thought that the that the glass quality it could be a little better on a three and a half. But I'm not going to say that it's uh, it's lacking, especially at its price point. Uh, I think there's probably better quality glass to be had. But I haven't. That's not yeah. a full review. This right. Is no. Just, this and- is just from shooting a couple of rounds through it. So uh, uh, look through it if it ends up in your price range because. Uh, you know, L3 is known for their customer service. Yeah. They're known for their products. Plus uh, or minus, you know, a couple hundred dollars. They Their scopes are falling in the $1,100 range. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. So anywhere the, from probably 900 up to $1,500. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a little bit and more. And they're aimed at the lower end night force line is basically what they told me. Yeah. So that's exactly the price point they fall in. So if, if that's one of the scopes you're looking at, maybe check out the EOTech. Check out the Voodoo line. I tell you what, I did like about these scopes. The one to six one. Well, I like the one to six. It had it had an excellent reticle. But I was going to talk about the buttons. Oh yeah, for the definitely. illumination. Yeah. Of course, all these have illuminated reticles, but they all have these cool little buttons that kind of mimic the uh, EOTech uh, Holo Sight buttons, kind of right. sorta. Right. But they're on the they're on the left uh, side, the left side knob where you would see the parallax adjustment or where the parallax adjustment actually is. Right. They have buttons, so the the on off button is on the top. And then the 
uh, brightness up is on the front, the brightness down is on the back, or yeah. I could have that backwards. But you get yeah, the you point. Got, I think you got it right. Yeah, go check out our pictures on our Facebook, like yeah. we said. I really enjoyed those, the power on, power off. Yes. The one thing that I wish was it was a little bit more tactile. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could feel it moving I a could see bit that. More. Yeah, I could see maybe you'd have trouble with gloves on, seeing if yeah, you actually yeah. hit it. But I think that once you got used to where they were at, you know, if you, if you shot, you know, 10,000 rounds through this scope, you'd, you'd know right where you were reaching for. But no, you have a very valid point. Maybe a little clicky, more clicky to it. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. But, uh, let's talk about that reticle on that, uh, one to six. Yeah. That one to six was really interesting. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's first focal plane. So the reticle is going to change size. But what EOTech did was they took their, uh, they took a reticle that has a similar circle when you're down right. at one X, right? Similar circle to their hollow site. And when you zoom into six, you the the reticle becomes so large that it actually disappears from your view. So right. it's gone. Right. So if you do it the other way, it comes back. It's really impressive to use. I don't know if I'm describing it correctly. Uh, yeah. As you as you go to six power, yeah, it kind of just zooms past it. Yes. And as you go back to one power, it comes back. And so it looks. It, it's very similar. It would be very familiar if you were looking down one of their holographic sites. Exactly. But the nice thing about it is that it's crisp and clear, like a, a regular scope. It's not a projected image. Right. So yeah, you're not having to worry it's about a standard reticle. Yeah, not yeah. being able to see it or not being crisp and clear. Oh, it's, and it uh, astigmatism probably wouldn't affect that like it would on no. a holographic weapon site. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just keep the boat moving with yes. electronic sites. Electronic sites, yeah. my favorite. Aimpoint, Aimpoint was there. Aimpoint, yeah. They, they really Aimpoint. didn't bring a lot, anything new. I don't really think they needed to, well, other than magnifiers. They completely revamped their magnifier line. And this is why I talked about earlier. This follows our theme of uh, evolutionary, not revolutionary. Um, so they, they kind of they have two new three-power magnifiers, and they're going to have a fancy new six-power magnifier. And they've uh, basically added uh, more um, an eye focus ring to all three uh, of the uh, the lines. And the they're having a cheap three power or a less expensive three power that uh, they, they plan to sell to people to match up with, say, their uh, ACO optic, you know, their lower end stuff, their pro optic, that sort of thing. Then they have their their 3X, their higher end or their standard in line, and they've got some new mounts for those. And uh, they've redesigned all of them to work better to show their dot crisper. And I tell you what, I look through the uh, the 3XC through an ACO, which is about as, that's, that's as little money as you could spend and still have a new aim point. Let's face it. Right. It's a cheap magnifier. It's the cheap red dot comparatively. Uh, and it was a beautiful crisp dot. So I'm really impressed with these new optics. Uh, I'm impressed with the price point that they're going to come in. Uh, it looks like they're going to come in way less expensive than, uh, past aim points. And more adjustability with that uh, that eyepiece focus ring, which is exciting for especially those of us who wear glasses sometimes and sometimes we don't. So, yeah, we looked through the 6X, especially behind the T1, and got a really beautiful crisp dot. We talked about the T2 here in the past, and uh, we really are looking forward to getting some T&E and getting our hands on one. But, yeah, aim point, good stuff. So one of the more interesting different things that I got to shoot and have fun with was the MK47K by CMMG 
better known as the Mutant. Yes. It is a AR-15 platform that takes AK-47 magazines and 7.62 by 39 rounds. Yeah, we've shot this in the past, but this year you got to. I haven't. CMMG had the little one. They have a K version this year, which has got a shorter 13.7 barrel with a pinned on crank. And then they've got a... I'm sorry, that's the crank version. They've got a K version that's just got a... Uh, uh, muzzle uh, break on it. So we shot that one in full auto. Now that was exciting, but very yeah. controllable, yeah. but very loud. It was and interesting because when I shot it, it kicked straight left. Yeah. Now when you shot it, you said it kicked straight to a little bit to the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so just, I, and I'm left handed and yes, you're right handed. Exactly. So I don't know if it was just, nah, that's just how that an works interesting mechanic gun. of it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how much the first one I've ever had that just literally. He said, "Keep, you know, if you could keep it on these targets, that would be great." And I was like, "Sure." Oh, yeah. I went a little left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I found it to be controllable for what it is, which is a, a full auto seven point six two by thirty nine AR fifteen. But let's face it, none of us are going to put buy this and put this on a machine gun lower and, or post sample it or anything like that. We're going to shoot the semi auto one. Yeah, and on semi auto. Uh, the 762 by 39 uh, typically does very well out of a short barrel. Uh, the the mutant platform has been around now for a year, and it looks like it's going strong. So uh, I'm kind of excited about the shorter version, and uh, maybe a pistol, maybe an SBR build, something like that. Uh, so yeah, it's real nice stuff. Like I said, evolutionary, not revolutionary. Coming from CMMG, uh, and we liked it, and uh, especially in full auto, just like anything else, we like anything in full auto. Uh, but go check out the new Mutant K and Mutant Crank uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one to shoot it some more. So one of the things that I am really excited to talk about is the Keltec booth that we went and shot. We shot the Sub Two Thousand. Yes, and we also shot the RDB, which yeah. is. The sub two thousand downward bullpup is that what? It's oh yeah, downward? yeah, downward? I didn't yeah, know downward that. ejecting bullpup. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. Rifle downward ejecting yes. bullpup is the RDB. But let's start off with the sub two thousand, which the is sub two thousand Gen two, right? Yeah, Gen two. And yes, what's it was new 2. this year is MMP mags. Uh, they designed it. They basically told us they designed this uh, little foldable nine millimeter, which has been around quite a while since two thousand. Uh, it's not a new design. It's been refined. They've, they've done some nice things to it. I think it's better than in the original for sure. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed fact, it. As a lefty, I actually enjoyed shooting it, too. The fact that the non-Glock model, I forget what they called it. They called it like a multiple mag model or something like that. Pretty cool. The The non-Glock model will take M&P mags, and there'll be little inserts and mag catches for Beretta mags, Sig mags, Smith & Wesson mags. Fantastic design. Uh, great idea. You can use your pistol mags in this pistol caliber carbine. And one of the things that was really interesting about it was it didn't, it wasn't very loud. It's great. Shooting nine millimeter out of a pistol caliber carbine can be, uh, can be a very satisfying experience if done well. And I think Caltech did a really good job here. Uh, and my left-handed friend across the table from me shot it. And that's been one of the big complaints about the first gen was the blowback from the nine millimeter carbine and they've they've redone the ejection port a little bit and uh we didn't experience that and uh, martin can speak to that better yeah, than I, can. I didn't get anything crazy yeah uh, i've gotten some crazy blowback especially from silenced rifles I've this had, one wasn't silenced yeah. but 
uh, for the most part, it was a pleasurable experience to shoot it. I tell you what, with that uh, that freedom uh, ammunition, hush ammo out of that thing, that should be a quite a little nifty package, even without a suppressor on it. The one thing that I thought was an extremely nifty package was the RDB. And I did ask with them... With the suppressor on it. With, with the <laughs> yeah, suppressor they had a on can it. on it, so it was um, nice. That always makes it much nicer. But one of the things that I did ask the guy about, and it had a Vortex scope on it, was what are you going to be able to manufacture these? What's going on? What's the issues? What's go- everything. And it was terrible. So I'll edit that out. But, um, he actually told me that they should be able to produce, uh, four to five times the amount of the forward ejecting bullpup, the way that they've either tooled it or designed it. They should be able to produce almost 450 versus 150. Yeah. Caltech story this year, besides that, uh, RDB and the C version of the, uh, RDB was that, uh, they had ramped up production and they were going to be able to do more guns. So we'll see more guns out there on the dealer shelves, uh, because unfortunately, if you've ever tried to buy a Caltech or if you're a Caltech fan, most of their guns are on Gunbroker because they're in such high demand, they're not able to meet them because they are a low production company. And let's just face it, they're not mm-hmm. Smith and Wesson. They don't right. churn out, they're not Ruger for sure. They don't churn out serious numbers of guns. And they are not a firearms company only. They do a lot of other machining down there at Caltech, and they get a, I'm sure they make a lot of money doing that. So I don't know how much focus they're putting in. But it, Well, I think they store, need to put a lot of focus in this RDB because I think they hit a home run with it. I think they need to get it out there. They need to get it on the shelves. They need to get it for sale, and people need to go shoot this thing. And they will like it when they shoot it. It looks oh, good. Yeah. It shoots good. And uh, let's face it, if they can get it uh, on the shelves and at a price point where it should be as opposed to where it is right now, right. Uh, it will be a very popular rifle. Yeah, anyone that knows me knows that I am a big fan of the Steyr AUG, and I've actually ventured out to say that this is pretty high up there. You like that? I, yeah, I really, like that. really yeah. enjoyed this Keltec. Uh, but speaking of bullpups... Yes. Uh, IWI yes. Uh, came out and redesigned the Tavor. So I guess is it the Tavor? X95. X95. Yeah, basically, America's Tavor was the older version of the Israeli defense rifle bullpup thing. Okay. And they've been kind of rocking the X95 over there for two a years? while. Two, I think two it's or three been years? Like, I think it's been a, a, a little while. Uh, I could be wrong. But we get the X95 version, which is basically a basically an evolutionary, there it is again, upgrade of the Tavor. So they moved the mag release to where you would have it on an AR-15. They slimmed up the gun. They made it more modular with the panels on it comes, the front. It comes with rails. Yeah, it comes with cool from rails. From the factory with, with the this, covers. This little covery thing that you push the button and it hinges open. You slide the cover off. Uh, so, yeah, more accessory rails. Uh, smaller, lighter package, uh, more uh, more ergonomic, I guess is the word. Yeah, so the selector. So we shot it, bottom line. We shot it. Massive upgrade from its we, previous. We thought it was... Mu- oh, the trigger. They upgraded the trigger. That yeah, was they a, did. That was the thing is they upgraded the trigger, and they're going to offer the new upgraded trigger uh, later down the road to retrofit to Tavor. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so that's exciting. 
Um, right. And we really enjoyed shooting the tour. To, to me, the it new was, X95. Yeah, it was almost a night and day. It was it was a different gun. It really was. They 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 did not move the bolt release. Yeah, the bolt release is still there. And I did shoot a right-handed version uh-huh. and caught every piece of brass <laughs> off the chin. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the things that's still a little bit down. Yeah. But, I mean, even the aug, I mean, all of those, you have to put the little piece on the aug to Yeah, you have to swap push the them bolt forward. out well, you, on the no, aug, right? On the aug, they, you can actually in, you can oh, they buy have a little, little piece. That, yeah, that little brass deflector. deflector. I forgot about and that. And you can that's install right. that, yeah. and, it, and it works just fine. So the guy was telling me that whenever I'm shooting it, to actually move it a little more center to my chest, yeah. and my head will naturally cock over further, yeah. and it'll clear the rounds. So, but, you know, I... I shot it. It wasn't a deal breaker for me. Yeah. Uh, but it was definitely night and day compared to the original Tavor. Yes. In my yes. opinion, it was. So, yeah, we need to get our hands on one of these and shoot it back-to-back with an AUG and a Caltech and uh, see which bullpup we recommend. The other big thing that was a little bit surprising for me was Walther. Walther had... We talked about the evolutionary striker-fired pistols in the other bays down the road at Ruger. And uh, some of the other guys. But uh, Walther had uh, two new guns. Of course, we finally got to shoot the CCP. But right beside the CCP was the new PPSM-2. And the PPSM-2 was everything that the CCP wasn't. I thought it shot better. I thought it had a much better trigger, much better sights. And I was really impressed. They've taken the PPS and they've upgraded it with that PPSM-2. And I think it's a fantastic little gun. And uh, if you're in the market for a little uh, pocket pistol, definitely check out the Walther PPSM-2. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I, I I enjoyed the CCP and the PPSM-2. I didn't have any issues with either one of them. Yeah, I didn't like the trigger on the CCP, and maybe that's just personal preference. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean... And I, didn't, I thought the sights were, especially compared to the gun right beside it, you know, the PPSM-2. But I tell you what had a fantastic trigger, and probably one of the best triggers we shot out there that day. What? The PPS, the PPQ forty five. I can't even say it. There's too many. There's too many P's, Walther. Yeah. Walther, yeah. Get, get off the P thing, man. Call it a W one. Come on, please, guys. Let's Anyways, just be honest here. The PPQ in forty five ACP, which is one Walther's first forty five, and two, a fantastic evolution of the PPQ platform. That trigger was just. It was one of the best we shot out there today. And uh, that day, not today, that wasn't today, that was earlier. Anyways, uh, what did you think? You shot that gun. I really enjoyed it for a forty-five. Uh, it was, it was smaller, but it didn't kick or whip or do anything crazy that I thought package, it was going yeah. to do. I, yeah. I really was surprised on that. I'm still excited by the trigger on that thing. I mean, I've shot some guns that have good triggers, but that was just uh, great. Great trigger on that gun. So uh, check it out. Tell us what you think. Uh, drop us a line on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email. Uh, go to thegunshowpodcast.com. You have links to all that on the bottom. And that's going to wrap up Industry Day. Uh, make sure you just click on the next episode to continue the SHOT Show coverage.